Good morning, church. Well, here we are in the final stretch of 2021. Only three more Sundays left in this year. And in the remaining time, we will do a Christmas series titled Simply Christmas. Today is also our last communion service for the year. So, ushers, please be ready to distribute the cups. And for those of you online, have your bread and grape juice ready. Simply Christmas. During this pandemic season, many of us have learned to do with less. Less contact, less hugs and kisses, less big gatherings. We've also had to simplify our lives. And for many, this means simplifying Christmas, Christmas celebrations as a whole. Some this Christmas will go with small gifts or no gifts at all. Some will reduce the size of their celebrations and the amount of food and drink consumed. And so perhaps it is fitting that this year we focus simply on the Christmas story, nothing more. That first Christmas was not a festive affair at all, yet it changed the course of many people. In fact, it changed the course of history, of the world. Simplicity can be meaningful, and it can be world-changing. Today, is part one of our series, and we will talk about the anticipated Messiah, the anticipated Messiah. Although Christmas is known as a Christian holiday, its roots are not Christian, but Jewish. Christmas was actually a Jewish expectation. For centuries, there had been expecting the Messiah, the anointed one, the one who would liberate them. Many prophecies in the Hebrew Bible, which we know as the Old Testament, pointed to the coming Messiah. Prophecies mentioned that he would be a king, a, a liberator, someone powerful. He would bring peace and justice and forgiveness. Now, if you think of the coming of such a person, you and I would expect that such a person would make an impressive entrance into the world, into history. And that is what the Jewish people expected too. Nobody expected what actually happened. First, an old priest has an experience in the temple that leaves him dumbfounded, literally. <laughs> and then, a, a simple girl in an obscure village, engaged to be married, gets a mind-blowing angelic visitation. And so, the Christmas story unfolds. Simply Christmas. Let's look deeper into these two stories. Both involve a visitation by the archangel Gabriel, a messenger of God. 
The story of Zechariah's visitation is found in Luke chapter 1. Zechariah was a priest. Both Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth were descendants of priests. They were old and they had no children. There were many priests, and so what they would do is they were grouped in clans or groups, and the duties in the temple were shared amongst these clans. Whenever it was appointed for a certain clan to serve, they would come up to Jerusalem, live there for the time that they needed, and every day certain tasks would be allocated to each priest. During the time of this account, the clan to which Zechariah belonged was on duty. And so he came from Judea where he lived, where he lived, which was in the south of Jerusalem, and he came from there to Jerusalem to serve for a few days. On this particular day, the task that fell upon him was to burn incense inside the temple. Now, this was a great honor. You need to understand that there were many priests, and although they had access to the inner court, they did not have access to the temple, to the holy place. And so, for a priest to have this opportunity to go in was what has been calculated to be a once-in-a-lifetime experience, a once-in-a-lifetime event. And so for Zechariah to be called to burn incense inside the temple, it was a big deal. <laughs> At the appointed time, which would be the evening sacrifice, Zechariah went in to burn incense in the temple. Outside the temple, a multitude of faithful Jews waited in prayer. They would come there for the evening prayers and a multitude was waiting outside the temple, waiting for Zechariah to finish, to come out and give them the priestly blessing. And that is when it happened. As he was burning incense, he suddenly saw an angel at the side of the altar of incense. Zechariah got a fright. He, he was startled. Because he thought he was alone inside the temple. And when he realized this person was an angel, he was afraid. Wouldn't that have been your reaction too? Imagine you, you, you walk in, inside the church here thinking that you are alone. And suddenly there is someone there with you. And then you realize that this is a supernatural being. <laughs> You'd be scared too. Uh, of course, that the angel could see that Zechariah was afraid. And so he quickly speaks to him to put his mind at ease. And this is what the angel says. In Luke chapter 1, verse 13, the angel said, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Well, okay, so... Maybe these words will not put his mind at ease. You see, both Zechariah and his wife were very old. Verse 7 says that they were both well advanced in years. The NIV says that they were both very old. And so, I don't think, I don't know if Zechariah was still praying for a child. 
Maybe he prayed that long ago. At that time, in the days he lived in, it was important that couples would have children. And it made them unhappy and made things awkward when couples could not have children, when a woman was barren. And so, yes, he and Elizabeth must have prayed fervently for children long ago. (laughs) And as the years passed, and Elizabeth was no longer of childbearing age, both must have accepted their reality and, and moved on. And now, probably decades later, here the angel says, your prayers have been heard. Old man Zechariah is going to be a daddy. (laughs) The angel said a few more things about this child that he would have. His name would be John. He told Zechariah how he should be brought up about his future ministry, that John would be filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb, and that he would prepare the way for Messiah. Wow, that's a bit overwhelming for an old man alone in an empty temple, isn't it? (laughs) Zechariah's response was not very priestly. Here is what he said. Zechariah said to the angel, this is in verse 18 of Luke chapter 1. Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man. And my wife is well advanced in years. It's like saying, Mr. Angel, you are a couple of decades too late huh? with your message. Yes, we prayed, but that was when we could have children. Look at us now. We are old. My wife can't have children anymore. What evidence can you give me that you speak the truth? How do I know that the smoke of the incense is not messing up with my mind? Okay, that last bit was me, okay. (laughs) But, But the fact is this, that he was confused. Priests were familiar with Scripture. They knew of the existence of angels. Zechariah surely was familiar with the story of Abraham and Sarah. So it was nothing new that an old woman could bear children. And yet, Zechariah responded like probably any normal human being would respond. He was listening to the angel, but also remembering the disappointment of unanswered prayers. He was looking at the reality of bodies that could no longer reproduce life. And so he doubted. The angel was not impressed with his reply. Verses 9 and 20. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not be able to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. Ouch! Zechariah was dumbfounded. Outside the temple, the people were waiting. The priest was taking so long. They sent an old priest by himself inside there. Is he okay? 
that something happened to him. Eventually, Zacharias stepped out, but he could not speak. I only show signs. The people quickly realized that he had had a vision inside the temple and he could not speak to them. Zechariah remained dumb until John was born. After his temple duties, he returned home. And sometime later, Elizabeth did get pregnant. Being of old age, Elizabeth hid herself for five months, perhaps to have full proof of her pregnancy before going public, perhaps to enjoy time alone and, and worship God for His mercy. We don't know. When the child was born, they named him John. Family and friends opposed this name because no one in the family was called John. They asked the father again, and, and Zechariah then wrote on a tablet, not a tablet like this one here, okay, on an old-fashioned tablet. He wrote there, and they asked the father again. And Zechariah wrote there, his name is John. Once he did this, once he wrote this, his tongue loosed. And he began to speak again, and he praised God. That was the story of Zechariah's encounter with an angel. Now to the well-known story of Mary's angelic encounter. Her encounter happened over 100 kilometers north of Jerusalem in the obscure little village of Nazareth. It is estimated that Nazareth had a population of between 200 and 400 during the time that Jesus grew up there. No mention is made of Nazareth in the Old Testament, nor in the writings of Josephus, nor in the Jewish Talmud. It was an obscure, unknown little place in the middle of nowhere. It only became known due to the one who grew up there, Jesus of Nazareth. Mary was an ordinary girl simple village girl engaged to be married to Joseph, a man of good standing in the village. About six months after Elizabeth became pregnant, one day an angel appeared to Mary too. We do not have a record of where she was or what she was doing, but it does seem that she was alone when the same angel that came to Zechariah Gabriel is sent to Mary. When Mary sees the angel, her first reaction is fear. And that seems to be a common reaction when people realize they are looking at an angel. After greeting her, Gabriel says to her, this is in Luke chapter, chapter 1, verses 30 to 33. He says, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Wow, 
Well, Mary's response was, verse 34 of chapter 1 of Luke, How can this be, since I do not know a man? There is a different attitude to Zechariah in her response. Zechariah required proof to believe. Mary's response does not express unbelief, but innocent surprise. She humbly asks, by what means this promise will be fulfilled in order to conduct her life accordingly? Gabriel tells her that the Holy Spirit will bring about this pregnancy. He also reveals that Elizabeth, her relative, is six months pregnant, perhaps to bring evidence to Mary that the power of God can do the unexpected. In verse 37, Gabriel declares, For with God, nothing will be impossible. And that settled it for Mary. She modestly replied in verse 38, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And so the Christmas story unfolded. Yes, at Christmas, we tend to remember that night in the manger. And we try to put all the characters there cluttered together in one place at one time. But this is not how it happened. Christmas unfolded over a period of time. Today, we looked at the beginning of the Christmas story. It simply happened. And Christmas, listen, Christmas is still happening today. It can happen anywhere, anytime. God can simply show up and cause a miracle, a breakthrough, an opportunity. Suddenly, a, a long-forgotten prayer may be answered. Suddenly, our natural life is invaded by the supernatural. It happens in big, large cities and in isolated, obscure villages. It happens to people in all walks of life. It happens to people who have faith in God, who expect God to move. But it may happen in ways we don't expect. Both Zechariah as an old priest and Mary as a young Jewish village girl were expecting the coming of the Messiah. Both hoped it would happen in their lifetime. But none of them expected it would happen that way. And you? And I? Don't we tend to do the same? <laughs> we, we pray to God and we expect His intervention in our lives. And yet, we have our own way of expecting God to act in a certain way. And when He does not, we become disappointed. Perhaps it even affects our faith a little bit. We may even become a little cynical. But God 
will not always fit into our expectations. He will do things in His time and in His way. <laughs> Amen? I'm going to ask now the ushers, please, just to start distributing the, the cups. We are getting ready for our communion now. So while I continue talking, please let the cups, distribute the cups at online. Get your bread and juice ready. We are about to have communion just now. But let's look at the attitude of Mary. We do not pray to Mary. And we should not pray to Mary. But we should thank God for Mary. For her faith. For her humility. She simply believed the messenger. She did not ask for a sign to confirm her faith or, or for proof like the priest Zechariah did. We should follow Mary's example. Like Mary, we should guide our desires by the word of God. When God spoke through Gabriel, she simply said, Let it be done to me according to your word. We have in the Bible the word of God to us. Yes, God can still use an angel to speak to us. But if we are not willing to hear him through his word, we will not hear an angel either. As we close, let the phrase of Gabriel echo in our hearts today. Luke one thirty-seven again. For with God, nothing will be impossible. When God told Abraham that Sarah would bear a child, she laughed. <laughs> In Genesis 18, verses 13 and 14, God says to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Meaning, of course, that it is not. And we know that later she did have a son. For with God, nothing will be impossible. The prophet Jeremiah declared in Jeremiah 32, 17, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. Hallelujah. Jeremiah wrote that because he knew that with God, nothing will be impossible. Later in his ministry, Jesus repeated this truth. Matthew 19, 26, Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Hallelujah. As we take part in communion now, let us remember this truth. It is at the core of the Christmas story. It is the core of the Christmas story. With God, nothing is impossible. If he says it, it will be done, no matter how impossible it may sound. Our faith must be in him. Our lives must be in his hands. We do not look at our experiences or our present circumstances. We look at the promises in his word. We guide our desires by his word. We conduct our lives by His Word. Amen? As we take communion today, we also pray for those who need a touch of healing today. Some are ill, some with COVID, some with other 
ailments, but we look to God for healing. For with God, nothing is impossible. Amen? No matter what you've got in the Lord's hands today, as Dio said in the beginning, let us put our trust in Him as we take communion. For those of you here at the church, let us stand now as we take communion. Let's take the bread and hold the bread in our hand. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for this bread as we remember your body broken for us. We pray, Lord God, as we remember that you died for our sins and also for our sicknesses and diseases for our, our ailments. And so we pray and speak forth healing, my God, for those that need a healing touch today in Jesus' name. You know what it is that your people hold before you today, their needs, Lord God. And so as we take the bread, as we drink the cup, we remember your work on the cross, what you did for us, what you accomplished for us, Lord. And we remember today that with God, nothing will be impossible. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take the bread, eat, and be blessed. Let's get our cups ready. And let us pray. We remember Jesus, the blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary. Thank you, God, for invading our history and bringing us salvation. Thank you for eliminating all charges that stood between us and God, taking away that which was against us, all sins, hallelujah, and opening the way that we can have peace with God today. We thank you for the blessing, Lord God. We thank you for salvation. And we remember it, Lord, that what is impossible with men is possible with God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's enjoy the cup of blessing. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I trust that you have been blessed, that the word has spoken to your heart. We shall continue the series next week, so we'll see you again next Sunday. Amen. Receive the benediction now. May the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit remain with each one of us as we simply celebrate Christmas this season. Amen and amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you. See you next Sunday. Amen.